Hi, my name is Margaret, and you have ventured your way into the Beautiful Collision podcast. I believe when the bad, messy, hard parts of your life collide with the good, amazing, great parts of your life, they make you into the beautiful person that you are. On this podcast, you are going to hear from people from all walks of life, and my hope is that you resonate with some and embrace your own story. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Beautiful Collision podcast. Um, I'm so excited for today's guest. Today we have A.D. Daniels. A.D., say hey. 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 <laughs> um, and so I'm I'm super excited for this guest. I think we're just going to have such a good conversation. I have so many questions for you. Um, I, me and AD met back in, when did we meet? Back in, I don't know, 2008, 2009, 10, 11, 10, 11, 12, yeah, in the, yeah, in the 2000s. So we worked at a camp together called Kids Across America, um, like literally decades ago. And, um, that's where we met initially. And then you live in Dallas right now. Correct. Yes. And so then I like go to Dallas pretty often and I've seen you. Actually, I remember one of the first times I went to Dallas after working at camp for the first time, I stayed with you. You did? Yes. Do you remember that? No. Oh my gosh. Okay. So nobody stayed. That's why we had to move here. No, this was back in 2000. Okay. So I think I started camp a little bit after you. So I started like in 2011. I came, I think that Christmas for to Dallas for like New Year's and I like stayed I stayed with you (laughs) I did I stayed with you for like the first half and then I stayed with Kristen um another friend of ours like the second half you don't remember Uh, that no like I I feel like in my head I can only count like two people my parents ever let stay overnight in this house AD I totally stayed with you and we went to a like this like New Year's Eve or maybe it was a Christmas like party was thing. One community at a church. Yeah, it was at a church. I think like in their hall or something. Yeah, like I remember that. I definitely <laughs> stayed. But... <laughs> I just don't remember the stay night. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Cr- it was New Year's. It was actually the next day, so you really weren't staying the night. You were staying in the morning. And... <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't know. Well, look. Well, now that I know, I've, I'm the lucky winner of a person that's It's rough at this house. <laughs> I have won the jackpot lottery. That's so funny. Yeah, I definitely stayed with you. Well, yeah, that was, like, the first time. Like, that was after my first summer at camp. So it was the first time I was, like, going to, like, hang out with people outside of camp, like, in that capacity. Right. And I, like... I need to travel more. No, come to Houston and then and then we can go somewhere outside of Texas. Yo, don't you teach, right? No. You don't teach. Dang, I thought you were a teacher for a minute. No, you're the teacher. Um no, but um I work at Rice University, so I um I do I work in higher education, but I do like admissions okay. admission stuff. Yeah, so that's probably where you got it from. That's where I got it. Yeah, because, you know, this is my season to travel once June comes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. But once July comes, let's make some trips. No, seriously. Well, I want to talk about that, too, because I feel like you do. Well, I feel like watching you via Instagram and things like that, like you go you go to a good amount of places. You've lived in cool places. So that that is um, we're going to talk about that. But before we start, I want you to introduce yourself because the people listening don't know you. So introduce who you are. Um, kind of tell us like what makes ADAD like who you are, what you do, that kind of thing. Okay, so my name is Adriana. I go by AD or Anna or Adri or anything other than Adriana. <laughs> and I am a high school English teacher, and I just love that age group. I love teenagers and young adults. I just believe that. God really wants us to know our identity, and I think that's a prime age for mm-hmm. people to have a solid foundation of who they are in the Lord. And I love sports. I like working out and being healthy. I don't know if I actually love doing it, but I love the results of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I love the Lord. I want people to know the Lord, and I want people to have freedom 
in the Lord and not just a legalistic and very stringent, but knowing like God accepts you and loves you yeah. and the way he calls us to live is good. Um, yeah. So that's much what I want people to like know their identity in the Lord. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, so what got you into teaching? Have you always wanted to teach since like you were young or? You know, I really, really wanted to be a singer, but my voice just never. <laughs> So, I, um, I get that for myself, so I totally understand. Yes. So, you know, I had to look at alternatives, but um, I had a rough childhood, and my teachers were the ones who really poured into me and cared about me and just kind of helped get me through life. So I was like, I want to be like that one day. Yeah. And yeah. It's kind of how that happened, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, what what kind of ways do you feel like your teachers were the kind of the ones that, like, walked you through that? Because I feel like sometimes there can be this weird, like, okay, you're my teacher, but, like, like how much how much can I just, like, pour into a student's personal life? Do you see that that's natural in teaching or should be natural in teaching? Like, what is kind of your opinion on that? Yeah, so, like, my experience and my... um execution of that are different so my experience like as a child I didn't talk a lot as a kid so the way that my teachers did it was just through knowing information and mm-hmm. kind of responding with less like they're very poor so like them helping out and allowing me to do things by you know paying for those things or allowing me the opportunity to do them other teachers like when I I know when I was in high school and I worked a lot of jobs and I was tired like they just wouldn't sleeping class and they weren't making a big deal because I knew I would wake back up and do my work um you know so in those situations and I wasn't a Christian so I was like 13 so they weren't necessarily like speaking the word into my life or that I knew of I guess um but kind of mainly just speaking hope so I remember my eighth grade teacher that eighth grade I didn't do so well I didn't like one of my English teachers and so I dropped out of AP English. And then the next year, this teacher was like, you're very bright. You're smart. And I'm going to put you in AP next year. And I was like, nope, don't want to. She's like, I know you can do it. So I'm going to go ahead and do it. Like, yeah. just didn't give me the option, really. Um, but just kind of like seeing what you're capable of. Yeah. Um, but for me, in Texas, and things can change differently. But for me, in Texas, we do have protections. But mainly, if a student asks you anything, you can answer. So I always answer in a way that gives them life and in a way that um, reveals who they are or who God has called them to be. So I think you can really, you can really do a lot until someone complains, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, how much is someone going to complain about you doing what's right for a kid? Yeah. You know, it's it's the things where it crosses the, the blurry lines. Like, yeah, but if a kid needed food for me going to their house, like at 12 o'clock walking into their home, trying to get them food. That's a difference. But right. I know that they needed food and every day in class. I left my granola bar out and they're like, Miss, you gonna eat that. Yeah. In my head, I might be like, yes, I'm going to eat that. But if I know their situation, I'd be like, you want it? Yeah. Okay, you can have it. But if somebody else asks you for it, you got to share it with them. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. No, I, I like that because, um, I mean, so I, one, I think even just with this whole, we're recording in COVID-19. And so I think people have gained a lot more respect for teachers just in general. Um, but two, I just think um, this, um, you know, idea of education going like a little bit beyond just like in the classroom or just just teaching them the stuff that you need to be teaching them, obviously, to like pass to get to the next grade. But like seeing teachers, because I had teachers like that too, like teachers just go above and beyond in a lot of ways. Um, basically looking at the student as a whole person, not just a person that needs to be like educated, like intellectually to get to the next class. Um, and so, but I know like there are some people, you know, who might say like, that's not like my responsibility. Like my responsibility is just to do math or whatever. And however else that pans out, like that's how that pans out. Do you think it's like the educator's like partial responsibility or do you just, is that just something that you feel like is kind of on your heart to kind of go above and beyond for your students just because of who you are, how you're wired, who God made you to be? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it is a big struggle, especially your first year of teaching when you realize 
oh, they trying to get me to be superwoman. <laughs> Not my job. Like, really, it's like, yeah. I'm just come in here and teach, and I want to clock in and clock out. Not because I don't care about my kids, but literally, that's my position. Teacher. Yeah. Instruction for students in a specific, in a specified content area. But then you come in, and it's like, well, admins want me to do this, but then also if I want to be able to provide that instruction for a student, I do have to be other things. Yes, I do need to be, you know, disciplinary. Mm-hmm. I need counselor. I need to be a parent figure, you know, all those things. So sometimes it just comes with it. Do I agree that that should necessarily be their role? Not 100%. I think that if we lived in a utopian society where parents were good parents and, you know, you know, trauma didn't happen and all those things. Yeah, I don't think that would be a teacher's job, but a teacher has the one privilege of if a student comes to class, they're they're spending more time with a student than many other people in that student's lives. So yeah. yes, that's just kind of the effect of it. And but I think I was literally talking to a friend about this the other day. You know, there's laws and all these things, but at the end of the day, for me, yeah, I just think you should love people and be a good person. So our conversation was about, I don't think they were talking about how they don't want the government to like enforce things and make you do things. Right. And I was how I'm not really big into politics. I can't tell you all of that. Um, but the politics that affect the people closest to me is what I'm going to deal with. So yes, I may not understand politics on a large scale and the change that is going to promote, um, a catalyst for certain areas in people's lives. But I know the things that I can do in my classroom and the policies I can put in my classroom and the policies that are in my school that like I'll fight for because I think that you should when, you know, God says like who or when they ask who is my neighbor. Yeah. Well, there is the one next to you who needs help. So if I see that you need help, then I need to, you know, help you in that manner. So one of another example we gave was they're talking about equality and fairness, like people shouldn't get an upper hand and I was talking about during this season of distance learning. Yeah, our school gave every student a laptop. Wow. And that's equal. Everyone is now equal. But yeah. that's not me actually loving a student because if I gave student to the left a laptop and student to the right a laptop, well, student on the left has internet at home. Student on the right doesn't have internet at home. So why does that, how does that help? Yeah. Like, I have a computer now, but I can't do any of the assignments. I'm still going to fail. So right. What I do, it, it doesn't matter that there's not a policy. Me and my phone calls to parents was, you got a laptop from the school, but you don't have internet. Okay, girl, you know Spectrum is giving away free. <laughs> let me give you this number. Just call them. Yes. You know, and, and let me know. And if you can't do that, I think we got some hotspots we can get to you. Let right. Me know. You know, that's the difference between me, um, uh, the equality and the fairness thing. Like, yeah, I want to be able to help my neighbor so that they can be on that same level. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why sometimes teachers end up being other things to students because when one student goes home, they may have a mother and a father who is listening to them and cares about their emotions. Well, another student may not. So yeah, I'm going to have to sit there and counsel them yeah. because they're going through a lot. They don't have anybody to tell to. Yeah. You know, so it comes with it. Yeah. No, that's good. I think that's like really important. And I think for you too, like I think kind of like you said earlier, uh, seeing that done in your life, um, with with from your teachers growing up, I think it kind of helps better. Like you understand and replicate, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you're gonna be? Uh, um, is education like it for you, or do you think? Because you do a lot of things. Like I know you blog. Um, you had like, um, kind of like a teach style fashion blog or not the best style. Teach style, live faith. Yes. Live faith, uh, blog and Instagram for a while. And so, um, I know teaching is one of the things you do, but also you, you know, talked about just like helping people understand their purpose and faith and fitness and all that kind of stuff. Do you think there's like a direction and that way you would go eventually, or you don't know, or right now you're just kind of staying with the teaching thing? Yeah, I don't know. Like, okay. Definitely have to open doors. It's like teaching, it depends on the day that you ask me. If you <laughs> ask me on the last day of the six weeks grading period, no, girl, I don't want to do no more. Y'all want to turn in your work right now? Y'all don't have six weeks. <laughs> want to do your work? Mm-mm. But if you ask me during the other weeks, weeks one through five, 
yeah, I just want to die old teacher and, you know, teach your kids. And then, you know, 20 years later, have your daughter as my student and tell her about how her mother was when she was a student. Oh, just be in the same classroom forever. And like my students know they can walk through the hall and be like, yeah, she's been in this classroom since like, I was about to say 1995. (laughs) (laughs) You know, she's been in this classroom since 2013. Every time I come back to the school, she right there. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh that would be so that's like the movies i feel like you see that in the movies like those teachers that have been there forever and it's yeah. like yeah they taught my they taught my my mom and now i'm teaching there yeah, yeah. that's cool that's my teachers once i became a teacher i went straight back to my teacher i was like i'm a teacher now she's in the same room same classroom no way i still love her Oh my gosh, that that's awesome. That's really, really cool. Um, yeah. So, okay, so I want to talk about this. So, again, you said you're passionate about people um, knowing, like, who they are and they are their identity in Christ. Um, and I'm going to assume, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to assume that was not always easy for you because usually a lot of times people become passionate about things that, like, they had to work through. Um, and even just – or – either they had to work through or it's just something that they like see um in a lot of people that they just like don't understand like who they are and their identity and their purpose and outside of you know certain different things so one I want to talk about like what are in what ways have you kind of struggled with this like belief of like who you are and your identity and then like what has kind of got you to this this um place of like i really just want people to understand that like that's just a huge goal of mine outside of like the lord calls us to do that but you know what i mean yeah trying to actually think about when it became important to me i think of course like what so when i was in high school and i tore my acl yeah um i like sports were a large part of my life. Like that right. was my identity. And I was like, I'm going to go to a D1 college and blah, blah, blah. And like that turned everything aside. Yeah. Like, you don't even get to play any sports your senior year. Yeah. Like, that was traumatized. So I was like, like rehab was nothing. But mm-hmm. like, not getting to play sports that year, like that's why I would cry. Like the pain could have been whatever. I would just cry to know dang, I met the record for state and I don't get to perform this year. Yeah. Our team is actually good this year, like all of that. And so I think that's when the Lord kind of spoke to me that my validation was coming from sports. Like I felt I was somebody because I was an athlete. And you can always transfer that to anything else. It right. Because I'm a teacher, I'm, I'm validated, you know, whatever it may be. But I think that's when I just learned that that wasn't what made me. And then shortly after that, I went, to college and that was my you know a lot of people their freshman year having a little crazy wall thing but yeah. I was like dang like these people over here are Christians and they're doing whatever they want these people over here are not Christians <laughs> and they're doing whatever they want <laughs> so like what is really a Christian you know and so and I think at that time kind of thinking that my identity was in being a good Christian like being a Christian that follows everything that the Lord commands us to. And not that we don't follow what the Lord commands us to, but am my is my acceptance and approval based on me doing that. Yeah. And so that's when I learned a lot about freedom in Christ. And so like my identity is not how good or how bad I am in something. My identity is, is based on the fact that this is who God has created me and he's created me out of love and he's created me um, a particular way that he finds joy in, that he thinks is good. And so anything else, whether it's my actions of the past, whether it's what people think of me, whether it's what I've done, if I start to hold that and make that the determining factor of all the decisions that I make in the future, then my identity is misplaced. And I think I see that so often when I see like ladies who, get into relationships and make choices because of something they were told or something they did. Um, when I see guys believe they have to be a certain way because of what society has said about mm-hmm. them, and I think that there's not freedom in that. And so I think like coming that freshman year of like not feeling free to just be a person and be who I was is when I started understanding identity and the Lord. And so like things that just for me, like coming from a, a rough childhood, I always 
kind of like he cherished shame and things of that sort. And so a lot of times I was not able to trust mm-hmm. the decisions that I made because of one bad decision mm-hmm. or not even bad decision, but because one decision led to a bad outcome. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I had the ability to make good decisions. But when you know your identity, you know that, hey, the as a Christian, you know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and he guides you and directs you to make decisions that honor the Lord, you know? No, yeah, that's good. I mean, I think you hit on a lot of like this shit because I think you mentioned it and you can talk more about it, but um, this idea of not, there's a little uh, idea of like people pleasing in there, but just like not um, thinking that like our mistakes or what we've done um, or what we haven't done defines us instead of letting the Lord define us. And I like the decision thing you talked about too, because I think it is really easy I'm sure people listening are like, okay, I made this decision and just because it didn't turn out the way I wanted to or the way I thought it was going to, um, then I must have not like done what the Lord asked me to do or I like I wasn't obedient correctly or, you know, whatever it may be. And um, and just not thinking about like, no, the Holy Spirit does guide and sometimes that outcome is actually the outcome that was supposed to happen. Yeah, and I think, like, for me, like, mine's a little bit more specific. So mine does deal with, like, my abuse from when I was a child. So I was molested as a child, but I wasn't a Christian as a child. And so that was one of the things for me, like, during um, camp. And I can't remember if it was um, Chantel or if it was, um, what's the name? Gosh, KA3 Jimerson, Mrs. Jimerson. I remember going through a year of, like, you know, when I realized, like, my trauma had affected me. But I was just like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I wasn't a Christian then. Like, all of that just doesn't matter in my life. Like, I don't really know how to explain it, but I can just explain it that I wasn't a Christian. So bad yeah. things can happen when you're not a Christian. Make sure nobody hears that as an isolated clip because <laughs> that's going to be bad. Yeah. <laughs> and that was how I, like, dealt with that happening because you question, right? Well, if you are good and you're a protector, why did that happen to me? Yeah. You know? Um, and so, but I remember, I believe them to always saying either God was good back then and he's good now, or he's never been good. Like you can't choose to say he's been good since I was a Christian. So yeah. from 13 on, he's a good God, mm-hmm. but he wasn't a good God back then, you know? And so realizing from then, so the thing for me when I was molested, I told what happened and though I wasn't believed, which most of the time people aren't believed um, mm-hmm. and that presents a trauma all over again but um the thing was that I learned was that two things one is that that was how the Lord made me like I was someone that spoke up even as a kid mm-hmm. you know as the thing that the enemy tried to take away from me was my voice like even though I know 100% what happened I I questioned did it really happen mm-hmm. it happened why didn't people believe me like you know things of that sort um but realizing that God is still good in the midst of that. Because I, I I did come to rest like, no, he was good then. People yeah. are not good. People make decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but it was that one decision of like, do you want to play a game? Yes. But realizing, hey, I'm a kid. Of course, I'm going to want to play a game. There's nothing different that I could have done in that time to have said like, oh, yeah, you should just say you didn't want to play a game. Like, of course, I feel that way. But a kid is going to want to play a game. Like I remember when I went through counseling and she told me any kid that age would have said yes to a game. I went to a kid and I was like, Hey, you want to play a game? And this kid was like, yes, I just started ball. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, you don't even know me. You want to play a game. Like that's the, the trust and the innocence of like a little kid. Um, but like knowing that of identity there, of, Hey, God has made me someone who's bold, got the Holy Spirit. I don't know all the outcome of what will happen with that, but my identity is not in the choices I make or the decisions that I make. And I see that as a teacher because I remember, you know, the gifts of the Spirit and all that. But even yeah. with the student, she would, anytime she did an assignment, she was just like, is this right? Is this right? Is this right? And I'm like, sweetheart, like, just do the whole paper. And when you turn it in, I'll let you know or not. She's like, no, but I don't want it to be wrong. I'm like, this is a safe space to get it wrong. Like right. nothing's going to happen to you, you know? And that was a moment that the Lord kind of told me she had been abused. And I was like, Hey, I've, 
I feel like I could be wrong. I said, I feel like there's been something in your life where you made a decision and it ended up with a bad outcome from you. And I just want you to know, like, that's not going to happen in my classroom. Like, you're not going to be unsafe here if you get an answer wrong in class. Like, I'm going to help you get it right, you know. Um, and, like, she just started bawling and stuff. But I could see that for me. Like, I don't want to do something wrong because if it ends up hurting me, I don't know how I'm going to deal with that. Yeah. You know, but kind of to let her know, like, that choice is in the end of who you are. Like, you get a question wrong in my class. That doesn't mean you are wrong, you know. So just having to separate things we go through from who we are. Yeah. I I want to ask a question about that. How does one listening who's gone through that, like, even... Um, because I think kind of sometimes you can go through that at a young age or even go through it right now at our age and, um, and you don't even realize like the domino effect that it's had on your life, like past that moment. And so someone listening and hearing that and like, okay, AD, like, how do I, how do I go through, like, get, get to any step of healing towards that? Like. Because right now, I believe that, like, I just I just don't understand. It's, like, hard for me not to believe it's my fault or, like, something like that. Like, where do I go from here? And there may not be a right or wrong answer. And maybe you can just share from your experience. But, like, what do I do? Yeah. Um, I think Jesus and therapy. Is yeah. The and I mean that, like, I, do, I don't want to neglect, like, the work of the Lord in our lives. But I think for me personally in a black community – we don't really believe in um, therapy. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I remember when I first started going therapy, didn't tell my mom <laughs> at all. And then I remember when I started going, or when I did tell her, and I was trying to learn, like, healthy ways of dealing with life. And I was like, Mama, I feel hurt. I don't care how you feel. I don't want all this counseling terminology. I was like, oh. Yeah. Okay. Like, whoa. Who hurt you? You know? But, yeah. Um, you know, but we don't, I don't think we get taught really to go to therapy and counseling because I think it perpetuates like hey something's wrong with me but like something is wrong (laughs) yeah (laughs) like not in a bad way but something is wrong and like and so I went through um you know things at my church which were good um and I think it's just a process and I remember when I was going through that I hated the word process every single thing I went through was like just a process it's just a process Uh. Tired of the stupid process. Like, where is yeah. the outcome? Where's the result? I want to be done. <laughs> yeah, I just want to be done. And I remember, like, one program that I went to that gave me the best um, understanding of trauma, specifically this type, was an analogy of getting in a car accident. And so their analogy was, hey, if you get hit by a drunk driver, um, you know, that wasn't your fault. But if they you know injured you it is still on you to go to the doctor it is still on you to take the medicine it's still on you to go to rehab and get the healing and so it's like yeah it it wasn't your fault but you still have to do the healing you can't make that other person do the healing for you and the second analogy was still a car accident (laughs) it was like hey if i get hit by a semi-truck or if i get hit by a bicycle it still has an effect on me and so, yeah, I get hit by a bicycle. Yes, I still have to put a Band-Aid on me. Like, there's something that I'm going to have to do to deal with that healing. I get hit by a semi-truck. Yeah, that's more damage. So it may take more time, you know. So all those analogies help me in, like, understanding. I think in, for me, the generation that my parent, my mom grew up in was, you just don't talk about those things. Everybody has done it. Yeah. Everybody- through something that hurts and sucks and you know just get over it um and it's like how do I get over what I don't know how to get over right and I think it's very important to find a good counselor because I've been to various counselors and I think the one that I'm at now I really enjoy but I don't like the counselors that are like well how do you feel and what do you think (laughs) I'm like I'm not paying you money to tell me what I already know. I can sit in a room all day by myself and think about this. I need some actual practical steps because I know I have an issue. If I didn't know I had an issue, I wouldn't be in here. What do I do with this issue? You know, so I think, like, the answer to that is just, like, hey, like, trusting the Lord, praying and doing what he does. A big thing for trauma 
is your your thoughts. Your thoughts can really get to you. So mm-hmm. really, it's true, noble, pure, holy, admirable, all of those things. Um, and good friends, like, hey, when this happened, I felt this way. Like, I felt mm-hmm. you were trying to hurt me or whatnot. And having friends that I actually say, you know, I don't think that at all. You know, but having the freedom to, to say, hey, this is the hurtful thing going on in my head, and I didn't know if it's true or not. But then on the other end, having a good counsel that can tell you, mm-hmm. uh, well, you have responded this way because in the past, you responded this way because of what was done to you. So we need to figure out how to rewire that thinking to not put up a protection in this situation where you're no longer in a threat. Yeah. So, so Jesus and therapy and time and time, time. You know, are always like, um, you know, they say time heals all wounds. And, and I do believe that's true, but also to a time like time doesn't necessarily heal our wounds. Time teaches you how to manage the hurtful situations, mm. you know, and it takes time to do that. It takes time to go from triple, I'm thinking triple jump for me, jumping a 32 to a 35. It just takes time. Yeah. No, that that's really good. Like I in the process part, I like the car now. Like I never heard of that, and it literally just got me thinking so much of how to um, think about process now. And I literally am going to think about that all the time. But it's just yeah. it's just so true. Like different, especially the semi truck bike one. Um, of you know, some things heal a lot faster because of how it hit you, and some things take time and a lot more like again therapy and 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 um you know what's the physical therapy and all that kind of stuff um to to get the healing and i i love that because it's like oh that really does help put process into perspective because i'm the same way sometimes i'm like and even just between me and the lord i'm like okay i don't have time to like keep dealing with this so can we fix it like tomorrow and move on to the next (laughs) move on to you you give him till tomorrow i'm like tonight (laughs) Yes, like, like, I brought it to you. I, like I'm, I'm recognizing. It. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Okay, you search me. You, you made it appear to bring it to you. Now fix it. Fix now. it right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, I I love that. I think that's going to be so. I think that's going to be so good for someone. The the time and Jesus in therapy. It's funny because I had a, I interviewed somebody a couple weeks ago, um, who said the same thing about just this um, parallel between. Jesus and in actual counseling for certain things and that they go hand in hand like yeah. and that counseling is so important and, and a lot of times in the black community it's not it's not a thing it just isn't a thing yeah. like people don't talk about it um you I've been to, whistle, just throw it on your head right <laughs> yeah I've been to counseling and um yeah, I was never, like, wired to think about counseling. I think it's literally by God's grace that I decided to do it, to be honest. Um, but then also, yeah, like, this this idea of it's helpful. Like, he's put those people there to help, like, walk you through some of those things that you just can't do on your own. Because you have blinders yeah. on. Yeah. No, uh, that's really good. Okay. No, I'm going to kind of jump gears a little bit. Because, so, you were... Teaching, you traveled a lot in the last like two ish years, three ish years, because you lived in LA for a while and then you traveled across the world. Uh-huh. Um, so you moved to LA from Dallas and you teach there for a year. Was that just like, I want to go, like, this would be cool, or was there like a story to that? Like, I just want to go live in California. Why not? Because um, I know people that do that too. So, yeah, no. So I actually, so when I say this, I mean it, and I'll explain it. I didn't think California was a state. Yeah, I'm sure I knew it was a state, like Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas. Like, yeah, sun the sun. I didn't know California was a state, and I didn't know California was uh, such a celebrity state. So it wasn't, I didn't have an intention of going anywhere. Like, I'm a proud Texan, like, through and through. I don't have a problem getting up and moving. Yeah. But I love Texas. Me too. Texas is the best of the 50-50 United States. Um, But... The Lord had just started pressing California on my heart. And so I was like, yeah, I don't know what that means. I don't even know what cities are in California. Um, And then, like, more and more L.A. started coming. But it was just really random. Um, It wasn't – it was just an echo that I kept hearing was, like, California. And then circumstances would come up. 
Um, there was one at church where there was a guy who like was sitting next to me and I, excuse me, the message was about like Abraham leaving, like God had told him to go somewhere and all that. And, um, I, I wrote in my, my Bible that day, I said, is this about California? Um, and then this guy, random event, all that really matters at the end of the day is that I ended up talking with this guy. He was like, yeah, I'm from California. This is my first time at this church. I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's just like weird, you know, just to, yeah, I told my mom that story because, like, I think he was sitting next to a girl or something, and so my mom, like, I don't, I don't be talking to people like guys. So she was like, "Yeah, you never would have spoken to him or anything, knowing that." But he had come back into the sanctuary. Um, that's what happened. He'd come back in the sanctuary because he, the, I felt, I think he said the Lord told him to come back. Um, he came back to the sanctuary and started talking to me. He was like, "Yeah, I just felt like." you were someone I needed to ask more about this church because he was moving from LA. So he came back. I always stay in the sanctuary once service is over. Cause I don't like, I got, I got some, some issues and <laughs> people be walking too slow. It makes me upset. So I'm just like, you know what? Just, just stay. Wait um, so he came back and asked me questions about the church and started telling me, and I was like, yeah, this is, you know what I'm thinking. And then, so I, I ended up getting to the point where, um, Oh, I couldn't move. I was looking for a place to move and nothing worked. Girl, my first apartment burned up. Um, In Dallas? Yeah, in Dallas. The one that, like, I was going to deliver my deposit uh, or, like, the first rent check or something and fire trucks and everything were there. It burned to the ground? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, my unit. Oh, The other one, they tried to, like, charge me some uh, security fee, which is not a deposit. It's like a $200 fee that you can't get back. It's not an application fee. It's not, it's just this random fee. And I think they were doing it to people who needed to like really move. I was like, you seem shysty right now. I'm going <laughs> to right. go into an agreement with you. And the last one I made a thing with the Lord. I was like, okay, God, if this place doesn't work, like I'll just go ahead and, you know, um, not renew my contract for teaching and just go ahead and go out to LA and just, find somewhere to stay because you you're not about me staying here um and I went to this last apartment and I loved it this lady was there she was helping me with the apartment and I felt this on my spirit like sometimes like people be crazy when they when you tell them like the Lord kind of told me things but yeah. I'm like it ain't always fun when the Lord do tell you stuff. <laughs> I, oh no oh no and so she was helping me so much and like so I had the impression that the Lord was saying like she ain't gonna stay here and as soon as I heard that, I was like, hey, don't leave. Like, don't leave. Make sure you stay here, okay? Like, make sure you walk with me through this whole process. She was like, okay. I was like, no, like, really, don't leave this job. She was like, I'm not. Girl. Ugh. She left the job. So so two things happened. First <laughs> of all, I was like 28, I think. And they told me I couldn't get this apartment. They said my social security, which has always been the same, did not match my name. I was like, what? <laughs> what? What kind of bogus is this? And it was the correct social security number. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't match your name. Huh, okay. Um, so they couldn't give me the apartment. And then I was like, well, let me just make sure I see the apartment since it's open now. And everything that uh, the girl had told me wasn't correct. And I was like, she told me I was going to get all this. This isn't correct. She was like, yeah, that's why we had to let her go because she was telling a lot of people. And I was like, I knew she was gonna leave. I knew she was gonna leave. I knew she was not going to stay. Uh, and I was like, you know what, God, I just give up. Whatever. Here, here's my resignation letter. I'm going and, to LA. Yeah, I was like, I'll just go. And I was like, you know what? I'll just go down there in my car and the Lord will work it out if I have to stay in the hotel for whatever. But at that moment when I, you know, quote unquote surrendered, then my friend called me. She's like, you still believe you're supposed to move to California? I was like, yeah. She's like, well, I have some friends who need another person to move in, and they need you to move in, like, now. Can you do that? I was like, yeah. And the rent was cheaper than my rent in Dallas. Oh, and- my God. So Which, and LA is, LA is supposed to be yeah. known for being expensive. So that's yes, crazy. that's what everyone says. And so I was in Carson, but Carson is, is it's kind of uppity. Carson's in between Long Beach and LA, and I taught in South Central. So, like, it was perfect for me. Um, and I was right next to the airport. So I was just like, okay, cool. So like, I guess to answer your question, there was no reason I went other than the Lord. You know, <laughs> in retrospect, I think that the Lord had me move there to um, 
have the relationships with some of the people I did, but also there was a lot, a lot, a ton of drama in the house that I lived in. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Lord was just using me there to like kind of show them biblical principles of conflict management. Um, I remember the girl that lived there before me, she was just like, yeah, they don't do well with conflict like, at all. You're and like, great. They say that all the time. But like when I got up in that house, I was like, bruh, yeah, you don't do well with conflict. Like I got attacked in the house and like all these things. I'm just like, this ain't okay. Right. You know? When I left, even though I had to go through some crappy stuff, um, I think one girl, like she had a lot of depression. I guess like that started to come out and she was more honest about it. And then the other girl, she has some major anger issues. She was like, I didn't know my anger was that bad. Yeah. yeah I didn't know your anger was that bad because don't even matter. Protect people. Mm-hmm. But she has some anger issues. So, and I think that's all that the Lord was using me there was, hey, I know that you speak up and you're not afraid to like address situations. So I think wow. that was. Man, that's awesome. That's that's a wild story. But I feel like it's so indicative of, like, there are some times that they'll, like, you just don't know what the Lord's doing, but you just feel these, like, either doors open or close or feel, like, just in your spirit, just the Lord pushing you to things, and you're just like, I don't know, like, why? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Like, why do I have to do this? And then it's crazy because you, like, don't even realize until after the fact. Um, so that's interesting. So it was literally just the Lord. And so then that was your, you stayed there for, how long were you there for? I was on there a year. Okay. July July. You were there for a year. And then after that, you started the World Race. Yes. Um And so, well, briefly describe what the World Race is and then what kind of pushed you to go, like, to, to do that. Um, and then I have some questions about that. Yeah. So the world race is an 11 month, um, discipleship missions. Um, you go to a new country every month. So 11 countries, in 11 months. And I, again, most of the things that I feel like the Lord calls me to do are never things that I specifically desire, like not in a bad way. Like, no, I mean, that's real. Yeah. But specific wise, I'm like, no, I'm pretty cool with America. America needs Jesus, you know? Um, and so it was just kind of like a tugging of my heart there. And so, and things just aligned in it. And so I went ahead and signed up and I got accepted in it. And so, you know, went and did that. Cause I, I do believe very much in the call of like making disciples and sharing the gospel. Yeah. I, I do believe that there's a big part of, you know, we don't know the end times. And so, again, go ahead and read your Bible, figure this one out yourself. But <laughs> I do think there's a large part where, you know, when he talks about the end time, he talks about the fact that every nation and tongue will have heard the gospel before he returns. And I'm like, I want you to return. This life is crappy. So I want to make sure every nation and tongue is getting to hear your gospel. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> so, no, that's yeah. That's, yeah, that's really good. Um, but so the, one of the questions I want to ask you, cause I actually do read your, bo- one of your blog, your, uh, the Adri Michelle blog and a recent post, um, you posted, um, the title was, it's never easy when doing right feels like losing everything. And yeah. on this one, you talked about it in the extent of, of the world race. And I love the article. Um, but for those that didn't read the article, cause may not know you, can you like briefly talk about what what that was about, um, that, like, the title, like, what you were meaning by there, because I think it was so good, and I think it could be, like, really encouraging to a lot of people. Yeah, so, in this situation, for me, that was, I already come back, um, but I, before I left, like, (laughs) things are always about relationships, there was a guy that I really, like, liked, uh, how do I explain this? Okay, so, let me talk about it. There was a season mm-hmm. when this guy and I started growing closer. And this was before I went to California. Okay. And I was like, hey, like, I, so I've never been one to be like, the Lord told me you were my husband type thing. Like, <laughs> like, never. However, in this situation, this specific situation, one time we were having a conversation and I felt like the Lord said like, Hey, you're his wife. And that freaking scared me, scared the mess out of me. It's like, we were just hanging out and I like got up and left. Like the moment I heard it, I was like, I'm out of here. Uh, 
I did some like praying and reading back through because that was when someone had told me like write down the things you want in a husband and I was like this is stupid but what else I guess I'll do it um and that and this guy did line up with all of those and so before I went to California I kind of told him like hey I feel like our friendship is heading this way like what do you think about it um and basically his answer was I just got a relationship I'm not ready to get into one but I do believe you're also one of God you're someone I can see myself with and all of that but just you know I don't want to do a long distance relationship. It's like, cool, cool, cool. You know, and he would like still flirt with me and stuff. And I was like, this is not cool. Like I told you my emotions, like I'm, right. I'm not about this. And you had already um, decided to go to California like way yeah. before that. Okay. Yeah. And the hard thing was like my mentor, she was like, well, did he ask you to stay? Did he ask you to not go? I was like, no, but why would that matter? Like <laughs> I'm already going anyway. <laughs> right. Uh, she like, She was like, well, I think that would matter. Okay. Fast forward to this season and before I leave for the world race, like he like kisses me and tells me like how he thought about having a future with me and how um he wanted to know if I could see myself like being a pastor's wife and all this stuff. And I was just like, uh, where is this coming from? And then he, he also said he said timing, he said, Timing's never right. Like either you're dating someone or I'm dating someone or you're leaving or whatnot. He was like, Stay, don't go and I was like, uh this is three days before I'm about to go. Re- to the um, world race? Yes, girl. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, uh, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, I was like, uh, 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 we need to come back. Let's have this conversation. We need to talk. Um, and he was like, yeah, I meant all those things that I said. You know, would I love to take you on a date when you come back? Yes, but, like, you've raised support. Obviously, God has called you to this. Um, so I talked to my mentor, the same one who asked me last time, did he say, stay, don't go? And I was like, yes. She's like, well, no, you have to go. And that freaking confused me. I'm like, okay, so last time he right. said he said stay, don't go. I needed to stay, but this time if he say stay, don't go, I need to go. You're not making no sense. But either way, I was gonna go, so it didn't matter. Like yeah. both situation. Well, actually, that's not true. I actually think in this situation, like if he was 100, which sucks, but like I think if he were like, no, like I really want you to be the one for me. I think that would have been a decision that I could have made in like that I would have lived with but you was playing games so I'm glad I didn't make that decision <laughs> but so anyways like those words and actions didn't follow through while I was on the race and he kind of did some things that just weren't right and I believe in holding people um to the standard that God has called them to and when they hurt you as well like it talks about going to a brother and um yeah. I had told this person about like how his actions hurt and he was like no like I didn't do that you're manipulating me and all this so I'm like Whoa. you know and so as a pastor i don't think that's acceptable yeah. um, and so i went through the the order of matthew 18 when it talks about a brother you know hurts you to t- talk to him um if he listens you want him over but if he doesn't then you know you bring in a witness or two and at the end you, you tell it to the church so because of his actions i i end up having to tell it to the church um because you're leading other people and i don't think that's an acceptable yeah thing and so end up saying that and and why I say losing everything is because like of course as a woman I want that person to be true about their words and I want that person's like hey end up in marriage and all of that and so um in that situation where I was doing the right thing was you know holding him to the standard that God had called him to and it meant like hey you're not gonna get with him you know and, and not even a bad way like the Lord had clearly shown me his heart during that time so I was like oh I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, but then the other situation was, um, while I was on the race, there were some situations that were not healthy and being as someone who had been in counseling, knowing emotional boundaries and all that, um, some of my teammates were getting hurt over things that they had said that I had done, which were like, I had done things, but they weren't things that, um, were injustices or wrongs against you. There are things where your emotions paid a factor in it, but mm-hmm. I'm responsible for your emotions. Mm-hmm. And so it was situations they wanted me to apologize for their emotions. It's like, that's actually not mine to own. That's yours to own. Mm-hmm. And I can't own that for you. Um, and so that was one of the reasons that I ended up going home early. It wasn't healthy and it was toxic. Um, but it was just that, that instead of them taking responsibility for their emotions, they wanted to, to pile it on me. Um, and I'm not one that's kind of easily swayed. Like, I'm okay being by myself. I'm okay, like, not having a ton of people mm-hmm. around me. And so 
they kind of took everything that if I didn't hang out with them, oh, you don't like us. It's like, no, no, no. I do, I do ministry with you all day. So when I get to get home, I want to be by myself. <laughs> it's not an issue. But I literally live with you right now, and then I go to work with you all day, every day, doing missions, and then I come home. And then we have meetings at night too. So can I get like two hours to myself right. before we do this all over again? You know, um, and 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 also too like that was the first time for me of like experiencing church hurt. Um, I think a lot of that did have to do kind of with my ethnicity. Um, if you look at the world race, you will clearly see there's not a ton of African American people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a reason why to that. And so um, I don't think they were able to see that when the judgment they were making were happening. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's me to apologize for your emotions is enabling. I can apologize for my wrongs, things that I have done wrong, but I can't take the responsibility of things that are yours to own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, cause, and it, I, and everyone, you should go read that, um, article, um, on, oh gosh, what's the actual link? Adrienne Michelle. Adrienne Michelle.com. Oh, a- actually, probably have it. Yeah, but Adrienne Michelle.com. But the title is, it's never easy when doing right feels like losing everything. And I thought that was interesting because even hearing the stories with that, but also just, and then thinking about how, thinking about your, our own lives of, especially when it comes to, um, our, yeah, like what we know is true and right. I think there's a lot of people that get scared about that because you don't want to lose things, right? Like yeah. I'm sure in the relationship sense that you were talking about, like there's a lot of women, even men who like walk into things, um, or like go into things that they know aren't good for them. Um, and, and maybe, or don't trust, like, for example, like you said, like if I had, you know, that person may have still had whatever issues that they had, even if you hadn't gone, but just this idea of like, okay, you knew you, uh, what's it called? You knew you raised money for the world race and you felt like the Lord had called you to that. And so still going, even though you, you feel this connection with someone and then understanding why later, you know, clearly the Lord made that clear. And so I say all that to say, I think that is, that's very noble and honorable of you because I think a lot of times we cannot, we can decide not to do things of fear of what we're going to lose. Obviously we don't know God's long-term plan, but we can do it just in fear of what we're going to lose, you know? Yeah. And that was like, that was, that was a hard, hard situation um, with the race. And I think one of the things though is God knowing the end of situation so i was really really hurt um by that and being home earlier than everybody else but the thing there's another i think blog post right before that i don't know what it's called but um i for a long time i was really mad i was like god i'm being sent home and the people who are attacking me are still there this is not right this is not fair like bawling my eyes reading the psalms and i was psalms like he'll do vengeance and all of this and i'm just like where you at god what you doing <laughs> You know, um, and then like in an instant, you know, and God tells us not to rejoice in the downfall of others. And I was not, but I was rejoicing in his sovereignty and his goodness. So the same thing, I think like those people were trying to get me, you know, sent home. And I think what was interesting of it was they got sent home a month after me because of all the COVID stuff, you know. And so I'm just like, God, you really do know and have a plan you know i'm like this is not fair you know yeah this thing happens and it it was just interesting because i the lord put on my heart to read esther and one of my girls um on the race really close to me she was like hey i feel the lord saying like you need to read esther and i was like that's what he told me too (laughs) and the main part was like about haman how he set up the poles for mordecai to die on where those ended up being the same poles that haman ended up dying on and so i was like you know i was just brought to tears because i thought the lord had abandoned me and left me and i was like wow you know and i was really upset because asia africa and asia were the countries that i mainly like wanted to go to and those were the ones i wasn't able to go to and you know then the lord was like yeah you're you weren't going to go to them either way whether you got sent home this month or because of covid you weren't going to go to them (laughs) you know just trust me and sometimes i think god is wanting to know like will you make that hard decision like because i could have i could have very easily been like 
you know what, guys, y'all are right. I am so sorry. Like, I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong of me. Oh, no. Like, that went, had helped them. Like, God does call us to honesty. Honesty and truth. Um, speak the truth in love. And so, and had I done that, yeah, I might still be on the race. But then I would have just went home a month later. <laughs> That's so... It's like, he like, so I would have chosen not to stand for the Lord and then just went home a month later. And that's so funny in that toxic environment yeah so like when god says vengeance is his like he it really is and i do believe that he pays it way better than we ever could like there's no way i could have got them sent home or whatnot and i don't mean like hey like just believe in the lord so he can do damage to people but what i'm saying (laughs) vengeance is better than i'm not rejoicing you want to be mad you know what i'm saying but his vengeance is yeah more justified than anything that I, on my own, can choose to do. Yeah, and I and I think it also just reminds me that story. Part of that story just reminds me too, um, that like, in obedience, that like that doesn't mean you know what that obedience is gonna look like, th- mm-hmm. because I'm sure I know me. I would have been like, okay, you call me to the race. So like in my head, that means I'm gonna be gone for eleven months, no matter what. You know what I mean? Like, like this is what will my next year will look like because I'm going saying yes to this. And so I'm, I'm just sure, like, it it is confusing to be like, okay, I said yes to this, but I didn't finish the 11 months. Like I had, like, I had these issues when I was there. Like, did I really, was I really supposed to go? And it's like, even if it was for that four months or for, to go through that, like you were still supposed to be you know what i mean yeah because girl tell me that was one of my big things too because the whole guy situation i was like oh i'm going on the race you know despite you and then it's like oh my gosh god was i supposed to like <laughs> say no i want to be with you you're the love of my life let's get married now <laughs> and i did <laughs> and like that rocked me for a whole minute girl until, until the lord showed me his colors but that that first time getting back home i was like yeah was it just a test? Right. Right. Oh. So, but, you know, and that's, but sometimes, I mean, God, in the Bible, like, God tests people to, quote, unquote, see what is in their heart. Like, Abraham was tested with Isaac. Like, he already knew he was going to provide a ram for him. But he wanted to see, like, hey, do you trust in me and my promises over my blessings? Right. Like, and who I am and his character. And I trust God's character at the end of the day. Yeah. Oh. That's so good. Man, seriously, I literally could talk to you for hours. I feel like people are going to be so encouraged by this. Like, thank you so much for opening up and sharing all of that. Um, Yes, thank you. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So at the end of each episode, I ask my guests two questions. So I'm going to ask them to you now. So the first one is, if you could go to lunch with anybody, dead or alive, who would it be and why? It could be anyone. So it could be famous. It could just be like your neighbor. Like it literally can be anyone. Who would you go to lunch with? Yeah, I'm such an emotional person and I hate decisions. So I'm going to answer it with my either or. It would either be my dad who's dead. Well, he's the man I consider my dad. So he's who raised me. Mm -hmm. Um, It would be him just to like talk to him about who I am now and who I've become Mm -hmm. and let him like you know, just have that conversation or it would just always be my husband because I just be wanting to know who he is now. So, <laughs> hey, go ahead and reveal yourself right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are good. Those are good. Um, okay, my second question. It's another decision question. I'm sorry. So, um, I love encouragement. I think it's really important. Um, and I think people, like, really just get um, life out of being encouraged. So, I ask every guest to encourage someone, encourage someone at the end of each episode. So, and encourage them as they're sitting and like, as if they're sitting in front of you. So for example, if I was encouraging you, I'd be like, Hey, AD, I just really want to say, you know, X, Y, and Z. So you're going to think of a person, one person, um, and you can say their name or you cannot say their name. If you're, if the encouragement is very specific to a situation that like you can't air. Um, but and so you would say, you know, so-and-so, I just want to say blank, 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 blank. Oh, my gosh. Girl, you know, I told you I was emotional last night. So that's all I'm thinking about. I, well, then then do it. Maybe that's what the Lord wants you to do. You know, me trying to not cry. 
Oh, it's okay. I've had, I've had um, people cry on the podcast a million times. <laughs> um, I don't know. This is how I'm alive, but this is all that comes to mind. And, you know, decisions take me way too long. So, you know, if I were speaking to a specific person right now, I would tell them, hey, um, I know you have a hard decision to make, mm-hmm. but know that the Lord does guide you and if you give it to him he will provide an answer for you but also to not think so hard about certain things there are things that we want and we desire but there are things that matter more than just what we want and desire when it comes to specifically when it comes to relationships I think we need to focus on the person and and who they are and the those moments that you're going to share together and um is this someone that you can see a future with even if they don't enjoy the same things the way that you enjoy even if um they don't have the same love for certain things in the way that you love them can you can you live with that person can you accept those things so just continue to submit that to the lord and and get wise counsel and know that um, this is a choice that God freely gives to you. So whatever decision that you make, um, just pray that you have peace in it and trust God with it and, and run with it. But I hope that you choose the decision that caused you to trust the Lord more, um, even if it's scary and it's outside of what you're used to. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that person is going to be so encouraged. So the goal, too, is to tell them to listen to this episode so they hear their encouragement <laughs> at the end. <laughs> oh, my God, that's awesome. Now I got to remember the day that you're going to um, put this one up. 